Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Money talks, but wealth whispers. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Dude, I'm really good. Maybe because we took a little bit of time off. Maybe because Laura let me sleep for, I think, like four to five hours today. It was fucking tight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But also because I'm drinking a Nitro Light and Sweet Cream Ale uh, from Carlton. Carton Brewing. Oh, Carton. Yeah, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see Carton. I just want to say Carlton. Carlton from like Fresh Prince. Mm. Mm. Yes. Um, Okay. That's, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking mine. Ooh! In, I didn't even open it yet. It's a, I, I bought a canning machine and I'm canning my own beer now. I see you blew it out on the labels. <laughs> yeah, I really like spent. Yeah, uh, I bought these little black circles uh, for like black circle stickers from Amazon mm-hmm. and um, metallic sharpie markers. Let me see if oh. this. Let me see if it works. Hold on. Can you, can you hear it? Yeah, uh, that is that is beer. I mean, honestly, it looks so um, low budget that it's almost like purposefully hipster ish. You're like, oh, wow, this beer is seriously artisanal. Yeah, the guy that, wrote is, on that, with is, that is crystal clear. Mm. I'm drinking it. I'm just this is my Kolsch this is my fifth version of a Kolsch. And it's out of a Stanja glass, I believe is the way you say it. It's like a oh. tall, thin glass made for what, Kolsch's. What kind of glass is, is this? I'd say it, it smacks of Oktoberfest. Yeah, it's a Stein. A Stein. Yeah. Ah, I have two Steins. This is like the unbreakable Stein. It's mm. so much glass. It, it could be a murder weapon. Nice. I mean, mm. I don't actually. This one of the beer glasses I don't own. I should own mm. one. What is a uh, money talks but wealth whispers? What's the origin? Do you know what that what that means? It goes way back to the Egyptians. Oh, does it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Obviously. Yeah, I can't believe so, you're gonna ask that. So we don't even know what it really means. Or do we? Or all right, we're gonna keep it a secret. But that catchphrase comes from Ian S. Thank you, Ian. Uh today we're doing five questions and we're gonna be talking about and I hope I'm saying this right, REIT investing, right? Mm, yeah. Uh inverse ETFs oh. and gold and then saving for a house and then IRAs. A lot of ends. A lot of ands there. Um, all right. Well, let's. I mean, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's let's get into it. Yeah. Question number one: What blocks me? And this this comes from Ari. What blocks me from investing in real estate is the fear of getting exposed to having to file multiple state tax returns every year. Hmm. Okay. So there's actually like two questions here. One: Doesn't Fundrise expose? You since they are diversified across many places to having to file for tax returns in many states, increasing the cost and the headache. So is that so? Let's just answer that. Okay, and and even to step back a bit, um, yeah. When when you invest in real estate, if you're investing out of state, uh, you do have to file in multiple states. And I guess I maybe realize it didn't realize the actual pain in the ass, and so Laura and I have to file in three states. Um, so that's fun, but you know, easily automatable. And we now kind of like focus fire where we are. Okay. Um, but Fundrise is a REIT. And so it's actually abstracted. That stuff's abstracted. They kind of deal with the taxes. And the only taxes you pay are capital gains and then dividends. And so you but, will you won't but, pay in another state. Ah, uh, okay. Because it's a it's a fund. 
Right. And so what happens is they they do have to pay in multiple states. And then technically that cost is passed to you in the uh, the expense ratio. Right. But if you own your own property, one single property in another state, then you are going to be paying taxes in that state. Right. And so um, obviously pros and cons to each. Um, but if you invest with Fundrise, that would not be something that you would have to deal with. Got it. Now, if you do not do your taxes yourself, what is the extra cost your CPA charges per state? I mean, I think. So um, I don't know the exact number, but marginal, like virtually almost nothing additional. I want to say like, I don't know, maybe I pay like 50 or or $100 to cover all my state additional filings. Okay. Um, they kind of like do it for one, I guess. It's, it's not a whole big thing. Um, okay. I mean, so I mean, essentially, like to answer your question here, Ari, is that Fundrise? If you're if you're if you're going to be investing in REITs with Fundrise, then you don't have to worry about all that different mm. taxes in different states. Exactly. Just and, like I mean, if you were to invest in Coca Cola, you're not paying Georgia taxes, right? If you're if exactly you're buying, right, or okay. like France taxes, because right. You know, you could buy it in France. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, so that makes sense. But mm. again, if you are investing in real estate, like you literally buy a house or a um, a commercial property, you will be paying taxes in that state. Correct. And so that will be an added expense because it's literally like a separate tax form. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I would say it's going to be less than the cost of property management for one month. Right. And hopefully more than what you're and hopefully cost less than what you're making on that property. Look, like if you if you bought a single family rental property and a hundred dollars a year is blowing the deal up, like you, yeah, you made you bought bad. Yeah, and I also think like a lot of people think, uh, you know, the headache of of filing. I mean, you had to deal with this filing multiple tax returns in different states was a headache, right? Mm. When you first, I did mean, it. my for maybe for my tax person and they haven't complained. See, okay, this is the thing. Like I always hear from my tax person, which is kind of like separate from all this, which is like. Stop worrying about trying to pay less taxes. Like, unless you're like some big freaking corporation yeah. that like has the like, unless you're Bezos, you know, you know, it's just like it's just not worth it. Like, you live in this country, you, and they're already f- pretty freaking low compared to other places. You know, other other. Yeah, and I places. think like you can make broad swath decisions. Like, yeah. you can put your money in a Roth IRA or just in any IRA, and like optimize your taxes. But like these little nuanced tweaks, yeah, they don't like, really exist for us. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Ari, for that question. And we're going to move on here. Um, this question is from Brian. Where can I find an online broker to create my own Roth IRA to include only individual stocks, not ETFs? Mm. So not Robinhood. Um, they unfortunately and, don't. Um, but you can with M1 Finance, and okay. uh, you could do like the Golden Butter with M- Butterfly with M1 Finance. Um, you could obviously like I don't know use like Fidelity Schwab, blah blah blah. Insert all of these companies here. M1 Finance is super clean. Um, I think the interface is really tight, and it just does like one thing really well. Um, and that, that's what I use. So okay, whatever. So is there is there any other ones that you know of? Um, I would say like any of the typical broker names yeah, that they do it. Yeah. In terms of like, uh, you know, modern startup-y type things like Betterment does, but you're not going to be able to pick your own stocks. 
Um, you, you kind of like buy into their methodology. Mm-hmm. And when finance is really the only one that I know that I think is worth talking about. Okay. Uh, hopefully that answered your questions. Although I'm curious on why you'd want to do that. I don't know. You saw the cyber truck. You're not going to invest in that. <laughs> sure. But like, you know, do that in your brokerage account. I think your Roth IRA, like just, I mean, you can only attribute 55 or $6,000 to it, you know, mm. uh, you know, make that easy on yourself and then invest extra in your cyber truck through something like Robinhood <laughs> or, you know, it doesn't matter like really what goes in what bucket, honestly. Yeah. If you kind of like have your bucket set up good, truth be told, uh, I only own Tesla in IRAs. Really? Um, yeah. I just kind of rolled. Oh, I just, rolled over a 401k. Oh, so it wasn't there was anything. some money there. I was like, what am I going to do with this? And this All was right. like way back. I was like, Tesla. <laughs> so you don't have like a brokerage account specifically to own Tesla stock. Uh, not, I mean, not specifically for that, but it's, I wound up having to roll it into a Roth and traditional for dramatic reasons. Mm-hmm. And so it's like split in half and then just both halves are in Tesla. Okay. Um, yeah, I think if I were to, you know, uh, for example, if I were to say want to invest in Tesla right now, uh, I would just open up a Robinhood account and just buy stock in Tesla. Agreed. And that's what I would same. do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Brian, for that question. Uh, Hopefully that answered it. Moving on. All right. This one, I'll be honest with you. I hope you have the answer for it because I do not. Uh, And this one's some fuck. Well, I was leaning on you, so I don't know. No, you weren't. No, I wasn't. Definitely. (laughs) You know better than to do that. So this one's from Shauna. Any thoughts on inverse ETFs? Are these ETFs riskier than standard ETFs? Hmm. What so, I have to ask, what is an inverse ETF? If you were to guess, just guess. All right. Well, an inverted penis is when the penis is <laughs> inside the body. So an ETF that's inverted. No, that doesn't track well. Uh, the analogy doesn't work. I would say I, I have no idea. It, it's just the opposite or it attempts to be the exact opposite of whatever it is the inverse of. So for example, if you have like an S&P 500 fund, yes. and there was an inverse ETF of that when it would the, be the S&P, S&P 600 fund? <laughs> it, would it be the 500 companies that are not in the S&P? They they basically just kind of like reverse it. So for example, uh there if you look up the tracker SH. Mm-hmm. It's a a short of the S&P 500 and it when the S&P 500 goes up a dollar this one goes down a dollar. And so oh. it, so if you wanted to short sell something without uh-huh. having to open a margin account and do it and all this like ridiculous stuff you could bet uh against on it. declines yeah. with an inverse ETF. Oh. Why the hell would you want to do that? I mean if you're like okay I know the crash is coming tomorrow or whatever. You could, <laughs> yeah. you know, do that. O- often people use it to like hedge or, or right. big companies use it to hedge. But um, if it's an ETF, all right. So if it's an ETF, you're already talking about funds in general. I could see you wanting to do that for an individual company if you had some like speculation on that one company. But how hmm. are you going to realistically? Ha- I mean, I guess you can have speculation on an entire industry. Like if you think biotech is like, on the decline because you're like, there's no way this is going to be a thing. That's exactly you, the reason you would do right. it. So you'd either be like the U S economy's tanking or like utilities are tanking, or it would be something specific 
Yeah. It wouldn't be like per company basis. The pessimistic investor. Learn how to invest in inverse ETFs as opposed to your standard regular ETFs. It is riskier that, you know, because of it actually doesn't wind up exactly tracking um, yeah. due to all this complex shit. But yeah. Okay. Um, all right. We're going to take a break real quick. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about how you should invest in gold and where to park your money when saving for a home. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. Woo. Man, what did you do during the break? I watched you make faces. I was just waiting. Okay. It's, it's, it's good. All right. So we're going to move on to David's question. In regards to gold ETFs, you've recommended holding a position when discussing the all-weather portfolio or the golden butterfly. In your opinion, what is, superior, what is the superior ETF? The IAU or iShares, the GLD or the SPDR, or the SGOL, which is Aberdeen. Mm. So I don't know what the fuck all that was, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, assu I'm assuming GLD is gold. Yes. All so right. all three are gold holdings. And yeah. we got this. All in America? Um. Well, no. Because mm. uh, Aberdeen sounds like it's like... Wait, like which? Aberdeen sounds like it's uh, Scottish. Uh, no, but I mean, it starts with an S. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, Switzerlandish. Oh, okay. I guess. Um, but so we got this email, and I was like, "Hmm, that's that's an interesting question." So I, I dug in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so generally speaking, these so okay, in the Golden Butterfly, we originally said. You know, GLD. GLD is the most popular gold ETF. It has like 40 something billion dollars in assets. Mm -hmm. um, it is just the, you know, kind of like name brand of a gold ETF. Makes sense. Right. And they all hold uh, gold bullion to a degree. And the, the price of the ETF is uh, correlated to the amount of gold they have in vaults mm. in places. Now, um, what's special about special about SGOL, SGOL, is that their gold is in Switzerland because Switzerland is like the most neutral place ever. So if you are pessimistic about the economy and pretty sure every country that has gold vaults is going to be taken over or blown up or whatever, then you know SGOL is like the one for you. Um, okay. That aside, you know I don't know that that was a distinguishing factor for me. I was kind of looking at IAU and GLD. So I originally had owned GLD mm -hmm. and I switched to IAU and the main difference in that there's not a lot of difference. So GLD is bigger, mm -hmm. um, but they both follow the same methodology. Um, IAU just has a lower expense ratio. It's 0.25% versus 0.4, okay. which if you're looking to hold for the long term, which I am, yep. amounts to a fair amount of savings. Okay. So um, I would say IAU. I move my... Is that American? Um, you may not. I know. mean, their their vaults are kind of like all over. Okay. It's not like specifically to a space, but and why do these all have different names? Why is there? I'm looking at IAU and then in parentheses it says iShares, as mm. if it's like some Apple product. Yeah, so it's kind of like this like branded group of funds. Like if you search uh. for iShares, you'll see like I think like maybe Barclays owns iShares now. SPDR, I forget who owns that. It may just be. Uh, I forget the name of the company, okay. but it's just a company that kind of that owns it. it. Okay. 
So, um, what's superior? You think uh, IAU I, over GLD only because it the uh, expense ratio is lower? Yeah. So same samesies on both sides, but pay less. Basically, w- would you ever? Did you look into SGOL? Did you like? I any, did. Any? The the fee is uh, roughly on par with, with GLD. IAU. Um, oh, oh I just okay. Didn't really care that it was like only in Switzerland, and you know, okay. IAU is a bit bigger. So. All right, so maybe that answers your question about superiority in the sense that like one is uh, less ex- less you know is less money going to- towards expenses to keep the fund active, mm. right? Yeah. All right. So, do you still hold the belief that there's a place for gold in a Roth account? In a Roth account? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it there's a place in the general uh, portfolio of yeah, and so whether it was in your Roth or as a taxable, I think is less important than kind of. Um, as a proportion of, yeah, and not to like go super in the weeds, but we had people ask questions about other named portfolios. And the mm-hmm. reason the golden butterfly I think is so hot, and the reason why gold has a place in it is that it uh is less volatile and so yeah. less chances decline, you know, blah blah blah. All right, I think that answers your question or questions, David. I uh, appreciate that. So Moving on to our final question, question number five. Um, this is all about saving for a house, so I'll be very intrigued by this particular question. Let's see what it says. I have not read that yet. I've not read it yet. So here we go. With market uncertainty and the possibility of a recession sometime soon, what's your advice on saving for a house? My husband and I love the idea of an opportunity fund with approximately 50-50 stocks and bonds split for a decent return with less risk. And return-wise, it's better than an online two-ish percent savings account. We're hoping to access the money in one or two years, so we're worried about the market crashing and not having as much of a down payment when we need it. We don't want to time the market, but we don't want to miss out on favorable returns now and lose money right before we need it. This is from Caitlin. Thank you very much. That is a great question. And uh, I have a response. Tell me. Tell us. Uh, I would not be putting that in the stock market mm. at all. And if so it's something, why do you say? Because you're gonna, you're, you know, you're gonna use it in one or two years, mm. and the amount of money that you'll make on that in one or two years is probably not worth the risk of possibly losing fifty percent of it. I would absolutely agree. The time horizon is too short. Yeah, uh, especially if you have like a hard and fast requirement to withdraw in two years. If you're like two years or if the winds are in the wrong direction five years then yeah. maybe i'd be like sure so you even know? if you even if you were to you know split your your stocks to bonds at 50 percent, like what do you think you're realistically making percentage wise per year on let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars saved in an account so a hundred thousand dollars you have either you can put it into a 1.77 percent high interest savings account which i think is what betterment is as of recording this um, versus 50-50 stocks and bonds and say something simple like Betterment into a, you know. To to make like extremely broad statements, if yeah. the bonds yielded between, I don't know, 2 and 3%, yep. you know, let's say 3% and the stocks yielded on average 7, it'd be kind of like right smack in the middle. Yep. You know, about like 5%-ish. Yeah, so that, that's in like you know this vacuum perfect scenario, whatever. But that, yeah, that would be so, how so, it would work. 
so uh, you would gain an extra 3% by doing this, right? And that 3% is on $100,000 is $3,000. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Do you really need that extra $3,000 to risk uh, possibly losing a lot of it if a recession happens? Agreed. In, in if, if we're talking about the short term, I mean, $3,000 could be your closing costs. Exactly. But, you know, you have to be able to wait if the timing is not right. Yeah. I will say that all of my money that I'm saving for a house is in a high interest savings account. That I thought is we were going to say under your mattress. <laughs> yeah, no, that high interest savings account is that only exists for me saving for a house. That's all it's mm -hmm. for. Um, and that's where it all is. Have you ever heard of the the phrase uh, "a rising tide lifts all ships"? Yes, because I think that broadly applies. Where um, you know, there's like all these like super rich people who mm -hmm. you know maybe swings in the market don't matter, mm -hmm. but uh, when the market goes down, you know, and the people who are going to buy houses have their money in there, or whatever, they or, or they lose their jobs as a result of a downturn, they don't have money to buy yes. things, so housing prices drop because there's less demand, and so I think. In a really broad sense, it's kind of relative, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. So I'd, I'd be less concerned with like super timing it, other than like day after a forty percent drop in the market. You know, one once every ten years crash. That's not the time, but mm -hmm. you know, everywhere in between is probably a good time. Yeah. So I would just say that, like, yeah, if it were me, I would not be putting any of my money into a brokerage style account. Mm. You know, plus, not to mention, like. It costs you nothing to withdraw from a savings account. Yeah. It does. You forget, like, even though Betterman and, and, and you know, these robo-advisors like it, um, they seem very, they seem like they're free, but they're not. You pay, you know, a, a, you pay a payment to have these accounts, right? Like, you may be making more, but then when you withdraw, you're also paying. I mean, it's over time, but it's well, still something. So there, there's essentially like a, a load or a fee, you yes. know, like 0.25% for being with Betterment. But but I would say what you would actually pay is, um, and the reason why you wouldn't withdraw from your investments is you, you pay taxes. Yeah. You know, I, I have this these Apple shares that I've had since longer than I we want to say, and they've done really good. But, but but as soon as I sell them, I'm losing like half the money. <laughs> right, right. Because it's going right. to taxes. So it's yeah. kind of like this on paper cool thing. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think Caitlin, you're, you're better off, um, for any sort of short term savings, just putting it in a high interest savings. And just remember that like most banks, their actual savings account are nowhere near 2%. So mm -hmm. like the fact that it's even 2% and that it's like kind of close to inflation is like, you don't think you get any better than that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and everything these days is now lower than 2%. Yeah, which is definitely lower than inflation, but we're talking about one to two years. It's not worth, it's not going to, you're not going to see, you're not going to, I don't know. I don't think it's worth the risk. Even if it, even if it doesn't feel that like 50, 50 doesn't feel that risky, but it is, especially if like, I don't know, something happens in the, or in the political spectrum that causes a economic, a temporary economic downturn. But that just happens to be when you find the house of your dreams and you, you know, lost 30 grand or whatever you have it's like well we're not ready to buy now because we decided to like try to make that extra three grand <laughs> and it's like you know like as i've kind of grown up i guess i just really have before it was like i just need to get not seven percent i need to get like seven and a half percent returns yeah. or and actually i think the name of the game is just 
like what are the highest returns you can get with the least amount of risk? Like you yes. just got to cut the risk out and long term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you, Caitlin, for those question for that question. And thank you to David. Thank you to Shauna. Thank you to Ari. And uh, did I miss anybody? Ari, Shauna, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Uh, so I, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add to this episode before we go, Andrew. No, I'm All good. Right. Well, if you missed anything, we'll have everything in the show notes as per usual. Uh, either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts and tell your friends about us. Point them to your favorite episodes and hopefully they'll become a subscriber as well. And if you have any questions that you want answered on a show like this or topics you'd like us to talk about on a big ass show where we don't split it into five questions, <laughs> uh, email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and all the tools and resources we normally mention on the show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. All right, that's it. Later, Andrew. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show.